Dear loving Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us the privilege of life. Thank you, Lord, for protection. Thank you for your goodness and your mercies. We are grateful for the ministry of the holy angels on our behalf. We are also thankful for giving us the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for sending your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross of Calvary for our sins. These blessings you have given to us, we want to appropriate them to our lives. We ask, dear Lord, please work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. As we fellowship with you now, grant to us understanding and insight into your word, that these words we will hear shall be spirit and life to us. Lord, of my own self, I cannot say anything that will bless your children, so I pray, please graciously grant to me of your spirit that I may speak words of life and hope to all your children. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, November 11. On Enemy Ground Wherefore, let him that think he standeth, take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 When Christ, on the eve of his betrayal, forewarned his disciples, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. Peter confidently declared, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Mark chapter 14 verse 27 and 29 Peter did not know his own danger. Self-confidence misled him. He thought himself able to withstand temptation. But in a few short hours, the test came, and with cursing and swearing, he denied his Lord. Peter had not designed that his real character should be known. In assuming an air of indifference, he had placed himself on the enemy's ground, and he became an easy prey to temptation. If he had been called to fight for his master, he would have been a courageous soldier. But when the finger of scorn was pointed at him, he proved himself a coward. Many who do not shrink from active warfare for their Lord are driven by ridicule to deny their faith. By associating with those whom they should avoid, they place themselves in the way of temptation. They invite the enemy to tempt them and are led to say and do that of which, under other circumstances, they would never have been guilty. The disciple of Christ who, in our day, disguises his faith through dread of suffering or reproach, denies his Lord as really as did Peter in the judgment hall. When the crowing of the cock reminded him of the words of Christ, surprised and shocked at what he had just done, he turned and looked at his master. At that moment, Christ looked at Peter, and beneath that grieved look, 
in which compassion and love for him were blended, Peter understood himself. He went out and wept bitterly. That look of Christ's broke his heart. Peter had come to the turning point, and bitterly did he repent his sin. Now his self-confidence was gone. Never again were the old boastful assertions repeated. It was true self-sufficiency that Peter fell, and it was true repentance and humiliation that his feet were again established. In the record of his experience, every repenting sinner may find encouragement. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is On Enemy Ground. As the time drew near for Jesus to be crucified, he had given the supper to his disciples and he had spoken to them those wonderful words found in the book of John 14, 15 and 16, encouraging them to believe in him, promising them of the coming of the Holy Spirit to help them even when he is not around but also giving them the bad news that he was going to die. All these brought about mixed feelings in the mind of the disciples. In the midst of all this, they, they kept quiet. Just a few words were said by a few of the disciples like Philip, Thomas and Thaddeus. And while Jesus spoke, they were filled with sorrow. And Jesus told them in the book of John 16 verse 33, in this world you would have tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world and then he told them all of you are going to be offended because of me today and he told them he was going to die now peter spoke and from the encounter of jesus with peter we have a lesson to learn in john 13 verse 36 jesus said simon it says simon peter said unto him Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou cannot follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Now, when Jesus said these words to Peter, Peter was supposed to resign to this statement. He was clear, You cannot come where I'm coming now. Not that you won't come, but you cannot come now. You can come later. But Peter taught himself strong enough. He thought himself capable and confident in his abilities. He indirectly questioned the wisdom of Jesus. He thought that Jesus did not estimate him properly by saying, you cannot come now. He questioned Jesus' estimation of himself. He felt that Jesus was belittling him by saying, you cannot come now. Jesus was telling him clearly, you are not ready. You can't bear it. And Peter didn't like that. And he responded in verse 37, Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? He didn't wait for an answer to this question, but said, I will lay down my life for thy sake. And in verse 29 of Mark 14, Peter said rather to Jesus, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Now here, Peter is pitting himself against the other disciples. Look at these disciples. They can be offended because of you, but not me. Now back to the book of John 13, reading verse 38, Jesus answered him, Will thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow, till thou hast denied me 
thrice. The account in Mark says, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crowed twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, that's Peter, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. So it was not just Peter. It is good to note that it was not just Peter that spoke vehemently at this time, but all of them. Jesus already knew that they underestimated the temptation that was coming. He didn't try to convince them that they were wrong. He left them alone to come to, come to that hour and see their weakness since they didn't see a need to pray. Because if they had accepted what Jesus was saying, it was a call for prayer. That time finally came. In Mark 14, reading from verse 32, says, And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said unto his disciples, Sit ye here, while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy, and saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch. And he went forward a little, and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Verse 37 says, And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, take note who he's mentioning. He didn't mention the others. He mentioned Simon. Sleepest thou? Couldest thou not watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he turned, see how Jesus loved his disciples, always looking after them. He turned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh the third time and said unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. It is enough, the hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. He that betrayed me is at hand. There are a lot of lessons to learn from here. Firstly, I just want to talk briefly on the character of Jesus in how he looked after the disciples, especially Peter whom he knew that something was coming for him. What I really like about it is that even though Jesus knew the danger Peter was in, all he could do was to tell him, watch, pray, watch, pray. He didn't tell him exactly, um, just urge it upon him. He told him exactly what temptation was going to be, that he was going to deny him. He didn't tell him that it was going to be ridicule and scorn and mockery that would make Peter deny him. He plainly told him, Peter, you are going to deny me. You need to pray. But after telling him that, that was it. When he saw that Peter was not praying, he let it be knowing very well that there's no way around it. Peter is certainly going to deny me. All he needed to do now was pray for Peter so that when Peter falls, he would rise again. It's a lesson for us. You may see someone inevitably by your experience, maybe an adult, by your experience, you know that this is where this is going to end. This child doesn't understand it. Be like Jesus. Pray for the person, not just that they won't fall into the temptation, but so that when they fall, they will rise. Calm down. 
calm down even if the person falls there are some things you may you may spoil things you may make it worse if you push yourself too much you may make things worse it is always very important to keep a good relationship if jesus had kept on urging upon peter i said he should pray i said he should pray it may be that he may lose peter and he chose to just keep it cool so that when peter falls peter would feel will know that him and jesus still have a good relationship still has a good relationship and he can approach him now the time came for jesus to be betrayed let us see peter's response in matthew 26 verse 52 to 56 he says then said jesus unto him that peter had brought out a sword now and cut off the ear of malchus showing that he was ready to die imagine that these people who came to take jesus were coming with staves and knives and all manner of weapons and peter was ready all by himself to meet this mob of people with a sword he had a sword with him i wonder where peter got this sword from where he was carrying sword for three years i don't know maybe three years with jesus peter being with this sword i don't know but he was with a sword on this day ready to fight and he had already cut someone's ear off to prove to jesus that he was ready to die but Jesus just responded calmly to him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how shall then the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are you come out against me as ag- are you come out against are you come out as against a thief? with swords and staffs for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you laid no hold on me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Now hear the next word. It says, Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Who do you think was the one that was most disappointed here? Peter was the one most disappointed because Jesus did not allow him to exhibit his power. Now, after this, Peter entered enemy's ground. In order to prove Jesus wrong and show he was not bluffing earlier when he said he will not forsake Jesus, Peter actually and John, I believe, did not flee. They followed after Jesus. But Peter was following in fear. Instead of going inside the palace where he would be safer, he stayed outside in enemy's ground. Here, read it in John 18 from verse 15 to 18. It says, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple that dis- that another disciple that disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with jesus into the palace of the high priest but peter stood at the door without then went out that other disciple which was known unto the high priest and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in peter then said the damsel that kept the door unto peter and not thou also one of this man's disciples he said i am not and the servants and officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now in the account in Matthew 26 from verse 71 to 75, it says, And when he was gone out into the porch, that was when the maid saw him, and said, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came him they came Unto him, they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. 
So what were they saying? Peter, the way you are talking, you talk like this man Jesus. Your speech is betraying you. You are one of them. He didn't say, I think. Surely you have given yourself up. Firstly, by the tone of your voice. Also, we see that you are actually speaking in support of him. But what did Peter say? It says in verse 74, Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Oh, so sad. Before, Peter had affirmed that he would not deny Jesus. Jesus had told him something that should have made his hairs to stand. Jesus called him twice in the book of Luke 22 verse 31, saying, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Amen. But what we are studying today is not about Peter. In the same manner, Jesus is calling you and me today, whatever your name is. We are living in the hour of temptation, everyone. It's not just Simon that Satan is after right now. He's after me and he's after you. And Jesus is saying to us today, whatever your name is, he's calling it twice and saying, Satan has desired that he to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Maranatha, page 64, paragraph 2 says, The enemy is preparing for his last campaign against the church. He has so concealed himself from view that many can hardly believe that he exists, much less can they be convinced of his amazing activity and power. What was Peter supposed to do? Jesus had told him what he was to do, watch and pray, but he slept. He underestimated the danger and he fell into sin. Conflict and Courage, page 321, paragraph 3 says, Peter had not designed that his real character should be known. In assuming an air of indifference, he had placed himself on the enemy's ground, and he became an easy prey to temptation. If he had been called to fight for his master, he would have been a courageous soldier. But when the finger of scorn was pointed at him, he proved himself a coward. End of quote. And so it is with us. Satan wants to sift us as wheat, but think not that he's going to bring people with staves and swords and knives against you. Only the scorn of a little maid was enough to bring Peter down, and so it is with us. It may not be swords, but little things that will bring us down, and we proceed to tell lies, and by lie, telling lies, we deny Jesus and virtually say, I know not the man. Conflict and Courage, page 321, paragraph 5 says, It was true self-sufficiency that Peter fell, and it was true repentance and humiliation that his feet were again established. So what is the problem? Self-sufficiency. In light of this, we are to learn the lesson of taking heed to ourselves, like Jesus was saying to Peter. The word of God gives us numerous things that we are to beware of, things to take heed of. Take heed means to be aware of your danger. Be aware of your weakness. Do not underestimate the danger and do not feel sufficient at all in yourself. In the book of Acts 20 verse 28, we are told, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he had purchased with his own blood. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 tells us, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he falls. What was it that made Peter fall? Was it persecution? No. Was it stabs and knives and putting a gun to his head? If you put a gun to Peter's head, he would stand and you would shoot him and he won't fall. Satan knows this. 
We are in the hour of temptation. But it doesn't look like that because many people are expecting that the hour of temptation is a time of great tribulation where, oh, they are going to torture you and all of that. No, Satan is wiser than that now. He brings little things like he did to Peter. The hour of temptation and the devil is threatening us. I'm going to tempt you till you fall. What are you expecting? Look to your left and your right, up and down, and what are you expecting? You're expecting to see one demon come to attack you? You're expecting to see a gargoyle? You're expecting to see a leotard, devilish red pond leotard coming with a pitchfork against you? No. All you see is just a conversation with a friend. And in that conversation, that is the temptation that the devil is bringing. Imagine that Jesus had told Peter, Satan wants to sift you. But what was it? Just a little maid accusing him. You are one of them. That's all. Very little thing. That was what Satan was preparing. He wasn't preparing. I mean, those people, when Peter caught the ear of Malchus, why was it of that servant? Why was it that the devil didn't bring the people up with their knives and starts to attack Peter. Peter would have resisted that temptation. Satan is wiser than that. He knew that Peter was ready to stand as a martyr for Jesus. So he wouldn't bring that to Peter. That was not the temptation. What he was going to bring was ridicule, scorn, mockery. He knew that Peter couldn't bear that one. And do you know how he knew? He had studied Peter. In the past, Peter has always given reason to show that he wanted to have a good front before the people. He wanted them to be to accept him. All this while, the disciples, and especially Peter, had suffered from this not being accepted by the people. When they came to meet Peter, when those people met Peter and asked him, why doesn't your master pay tax? He gave an excuse to them why he wanted them to accept Jesus. He was always making apologies for Jesus so that to the people and he himself wanted to be accepted satan knew this and he attacked peter at his weak point and the lord is telling us take heed take heed what the lord says and i'm going to go through some things that we should take heed of the bible says take heed do not stand on enemy's ground you are standing on enemy's ground when you are not watching and praying and same with me if you do not watch and pray take heed the devil is desiring to sift you as wheat. When you stay long in the night, when that phone call with that lady who is not your wife, oh my, take heed. And with who is not your husband, take heed. The devil is planning something for you. When you read the Proverbs, book of Proverbs 7, and you look at that young man who was walking in the black and dark night by the house of the woman who was a lewd woman, he was supposed to take heed lest he falls. We should take heed. It is just a little thing that makes us to fall. But I read before in Acts 20 verse 28 where we are told, Take heed to all the flock that we should feed the church. Reading in Heavenly Places, page 122, paragraph 2, we are told, In order to fight successfully in the battle against sin, you must keep close to Jesus. Do not talk unbelief. You have no excuse for doing this. Unbelief always separates the soul from Christ. So, what do we learn? Keep close to Jesus if we must take heed. How do we keep close to Jesus? Watch and pray. Reading again, Youth Instructor, December 15, 1898, paragraph 5 and 6, we are told, Satan was permitted to tempt the too confident Peter as he had been permitted to tempt Job. 
But when that work was done, he had to retire. Had Satan been suffered to have his way, there would have been no hope for Peter. He would have made complete shipwreck of faith. But the enemy dare not go one hair's breadth beyond his appointed sphere. There is no power in the whole satanic force that can disable the soul that trusts in simple confidence in the wisdom that comes from God. Mark the course pursued by Peter. His fall was not instantaneous but gradual. Step after step was taken until the poor sinful one denied his Lord with cursing and swearing. He denied the man of sorrows in his acquaintance with grief." End of quote. So what is the lesson here? If we are taking heed, it is those little steps. It is not the big sins that we are to take note of. It is those little steps that break the barriers. That is what we are to take heed of. That one day you miss your devotion. One day you refuse to pray. One day you choose to spend time in the wrong place. One day, one moment is building a trend and a habit and it will eventually lead to you denying your Lord as Peter did. It did not come instantly, it came gradually. Those little steps that you are breaking in health reform, in social reform, that first time you choose to just say, oh, let me just put a little bit of sugar. Oh, there's a let me just take some milk. Oh, let me, it's just some condition. Let me just take some flesh food here. It's just for now. Take heed. Gradually, the devil is sifting you as wheat. Oh, social reform. Let me just spend some time with this lady or with that man. Oh, social reform. Let me just change my dress reform also. It's just for some reason that I needed to wear the trousers in the home as a lady. It's just inside the house. And not that I'm saying is wrong, but take heed. Take heed lest you fall. That's what the Lord is saying. And that's what you are saying to yourself. Oh, it's not really wrong. It's just me who is in the home. Take heed is what the Lord says. Do not venture on Satan's grounds because you are playing games with him. Mind, Character and Personality, Volume 2, page 700, paragraph 2 says, We must keep close to the word of God. We need its warnings and encouragement, its threatenings and promises. We need a perfect example given only in the life and character of our Savior. Angels of God will preserve his people while they walk in the path of duty. But there is no assurance of such protection for those who deliberately venture upon Satan's ground. End of quote. Did you get that? If I deliberately place myself on Satan's grounds, and for you, I pray the Holy Spirit is ministering to you to know Satan's grounds for you. Everyone has places they go to. Even when you go to the internet, you can't place yourself on Satan's grounds. And when you go to certain websites, in and of themselves not looking terrible, take heed lest you place yourself on Satan's grounds and he will claim you as his own. Reading The Faith I Live By, page 238, paragraph 6, it says, If we venture on Satan's grounds, we have no assurance of protection from his power. So far as lies in us, we should close every avenue by which the tempter may find access to us. End of quote. So like I said, let us look at areas where we should take heed. First Timothy 4, verse 16 says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So in doing what? Taking heed to yourself and to the doctrine, to the word of God. Take heed means listen to it. Pay close attention to the word of God. Be sure to follow it by the letter. Do not leave any stone unturned. 
Then again in Matthew 16 verse 6, Jesus said unto his disciples, Take heed and beware of the living of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. What is he saying? Beware of false teachings and false doctrines. Before we had read, take heed to the true doctrine, 1 Timothy 4 verse 16. Then again in Matthew 7 verse 15 to 20, Jesus spoke again concerning what we believe. Take heed to what you are imbibing as truth in your life. He says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do not men gather do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Also in 2 Peter 1 verse 19, we are told, We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. So, what is the Lord telling us? We need to take heed to what we believe, to the doctrine. That's what we are told. There's false doctrine and there's true doctrine. The false prophets will bring false doctrines, but the true prophet will bring from the word of God true doctrines. And we are told that if we take heed to the doctrine, 1 Timothy 4 verse 16, and continue in them, we will save ourselves and also those that hear us. Take heed to the doctrine. There are many teaching false doctrines. Take heed, beware, do not enter on enemy's grounds to listen to false teachings. Reading from Christ Triumphant, page 203, paragraph 4, we are told, There is help for us only in God. We should not flatter ourselves that we have any strength or wisdom of our own. For our strength is weakness, our judgment, foolishness. Christ conquered the foe in our behalf because he pitied our weakness and knew that we would be overcome and would perish if he did not come to our help. End of quote. Let us go to another thing that the Bible tells us to take heed of so that the devil will not sift us as wheat on this matter. It says in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 9, Take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. The liberty in context being referred to was those who knew that food is food, whether sacrificed to idols or not, it doesn't mean anything. Yes, we have our freedoms, but take heed lest our freedom will not become our destruction. Take heed lest because you think you have freedom, your liberties become a snare to you. You are free to make calls in the night, free to visit anyone you like, free to go wherever you want and free to go near the house of the harlots if you want. But take heed lest this liberty of yours do not become a stumbling block both for you and for others. Satan is desiring that he may sift you as wheat and you know not what he is cooking. Who would have thought that all Satan had planned for Peter was not necessarily to kill him or stab him or attack him violently. It was only scorn and mockery and that was it. Peter denied his Lord. We have liberties but the Bible says take heed lest your liberty does not become your undoing. Your liberty to, like I said, make calls as you like. Spend time with whomever you want to. Read whatever you want. Yes, there is no sin in picking up a book to read, but be careful. Take heed lest your liberty will not become your undoing. Another thing we are told in the book of Luke 21 verse 34, and take heed to yourselves 
lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life and so that they come upon you unawares Luke 12 verse 15 adding to that says and he said unto them take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth oh my many are entering on enemies grounds when their account becomes to get, uh, begins to get fattened two things here in the book of Luke we are told take heed beware of surfeiting and drunkenness and also of covetousness these things are they go together money when it begins to increase and then the desire for it and also that self-indulgence the Lord says take heed beware of them because if you involve yourself in covetousness and the cares of this life that day will come upon you unawares when the money in your account begins to multiply see that as a cause for prayer see it as if you are entering on enemies grounds see it as a warning sign money is a snare Many there are who give testimonies for temptations instead, and then they weep for blessings. What do I mean? Oh, they rejoice while entering on enemy's grounds. Instead of them to become more careful as the money increases, they become more lax and it leads them to surfeiting and drunkenness. As your money increases in the bank, that is a time for you to take heed. There's nothing wrong in you having much money. But if you knew the word of God, you will tremble for your soul knowing that riches are a snare. It can lead you to surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life and the day of the Lord will come upon you unawares. What does that mean? You may die not in the truth or you may not be in righteousness when Christ will come. Take heed when that money begins to increase. You are very well entering on enemies' grounds, not because it is a wrong thing for you to have money, but because it can be a snare to you. And that's the reason you should take heed, see it for what it is as something for you to look at as a thing that can be a snare and then you need to watch and pray. Again, Acts 5 verse 35 says, And he said unto them, You men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do as touching these men. Galatians 5 verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. What is this referring to? We are to take heed lest we become the ones that bring down others. In Acts 5 verse 35, they were about the, the, the priests and the Pharisees were about to punish the disciples of Jesus and somebody stood to warn them and said take heed to yourself lest you find yourself fighting against God by coming against these men he said take heed to yourselves what you intend to do as touching these men oh the Lord is speaking to us too you are standing on enemy's grounds when you do not take heed what you say about the disciples of Jesus and you start to bite and devour one another take heed that you be not consumed one of another take heed lest you find yourself attacking the people of God and being an agent of Satan becoming an accuser of the brethren beware lest you make another person's bitterness become yours and you become a talebearer and a whisperer for you will devour your brother and you will be a means by which Satan will bring disrepute to the work of God reading 
of reflecting Christ with 70 paragraph 5 and 6 we are told Christ himself when contending with Satan about the body of Moses does not bring against him a raiding accusation. Had he done this, he would have placed himself on Satan's ground. Do you get it? Being on Satan's ground, when you start to bite and devour and whisper and gossip, you are entering on enemy's ground. We are told, had Jesus accused, he would have placed himself on Satan's ground. I continued reading, for accusation is the weapon of the evil one. He is called in the scripture, the accuser of the brethren, Revelation 12 verse 10. Jesus would employ none of Satan's weapons. He met him with the words, The Lord rebuked thee, Jude 9. His example is for us. When we are brought in conflict with the enemies of Christ, we should say nothing in a spirit of retaliation or that would bear even the appearance of a railing accusation. He who stands as a mouthpiece for God should not utter words which even the majesty of heaven would not use when contending with Satan. We are to leave with God the work of judging or and condemning. End of quote. So, that is another thing. We enter on Satan's grounds when we accuse, when we become gossips and whisperers. But not only that, in the general theme, we enter on Satan's grounds when we use his methods, his weapons, whether for preaching the gospel of God or for attacking and retaliating against others. If we choose to use his tools, we are entering on the enemy's grounds. Eve entered on Satan's grounds when she conversed with him. Instead of holding on to the word of God, she went outside the word to discuss with the serpent. We also enter on Satan's grounds when we pick up infidel authors to read books that are not portraying the truth and we are reading them. Movies and all those documentaries we watch that are promoting evil theories, you are entering on Satan's grounds. Do not use the weapons of Satan. Even when we want to use his methods to preach the truth, using dramatic presentations, you are entering on Satan's grounds. Take heed to yourself. You are saying to yourself you want to do good by acting that drama. Oh my, the devil will sift you as wheat. You will not know where you are going to end when you start with that innocent mind. You are saying, oh, I want to preach the word of God, but you are using the devil's methods. Hmm. Take heed to yourself. Do not enter on Satan's ground because the end of it will be destruction. Another thing we have to take heed of is unbelief. Hebrews 3 verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Again in Colossians 4 verse 7, we are are told, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. What is this saying? The truth that you have received in the beginning, take heed to it. Do not enter into the bringing in of new lights that contradict old doctrine. And that's why now we read in Maranatha, page 64, paragraph 4. Satan hopes to involve the remnant of remnant people of God in the general ruin that is coming upon the earth. How? You know, when you read things like this, you think, oh, he's coming to destroy and to fight and to kill and shed blood. Just like it was for Peter, it's not exactly that. I read, it says, as the coming of Christ draws nigh, see what he will do. He will be more determined and decisive in his efforts to overthrow them. But how? Hear this. Men and women will arise, professing to have some new light 
or some new revelation whose tendency is to unsettle faith in the old landmarks. Their doctrines will not bear the test of God's word. Yet, souls will be deceived, false reports will be circulated and some will be taken in this snare. We cannot be too watchful against every form of error. For Satan is constantly seeking to draw men from the truth. Amen. So we are to take heed lest people come saying, We have new light. Sometimes now people are coming saying, Oh, we know when Christ will come 2027, 2021, 2030. Take heed. Do not listen to anything about, about time setting. And then there are new lights that is, there's new light that is coming up. Oh, we know the interpretation of this and that. And you, when you see these things contradicting the old truths, revealed to us from the Bible and spirit of prophecy. Take heed to yourself that you do not believe it. Philippians 3 verse 1 says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Why am I reading this? Some people want to keep hearing new things. But Peter says, what Paul says, to write the same things to you is safe. It is safe for us to keep hearing the same things over and over again. It is good for us to often hear the same truths, to revive the remembrance and strengthen the impression of the things that the Lord has deemed to be important to us. It is just out of curiosity, and that is some carnal curiosity, to desire always to hear something new. And we need to be cautious here, and that's why we are told, take heed. Reading from Maranatha, page 64, paragraph 5 and 6, says, Some men have no firmness of character. They are like a ball of putty and can be pressed into any conceivable shape. This weakness, indecision and inefficiency must be overcome. There is an indomitableness about true Christian character which cannot be molded or subdued by adverse circumstances. Men must have moral backbone, an integrity which cannot be flattered bribed or terrified. God has set bounds that Satan cannot pass. Our most holy faith is this barrier. So what is the barrier? Our faith, our belief. And if we build ourselves up in faith, we shall be safe in the keeping of the mighty one. Man is Satan's captive and is naturally inclined to follow his suggestions and do his bidding. He has in himself no power to oppose effectual resistance to evil. It is only as Christ abides in him by faith, by living faith, that man may venture to face so terrible a foe. Every other means of defense is utterly vain. It is only through Christ that Satan's power is limited. This is a momentous truth that all should understand. Satan is busy every moment, going to and fro, walking up and down in the earth, seeking whom he may devour. But here it is now. But the earnest prayer of faith will baffle his strongest effort. End of quote. Amen. On enemy's grounds, if we place ourselves there by ourselves, we have no assurance of protection. But Satan may come to us. And when he does come, the earnest prayer of faith will baffle his strongest efforts. We are looking forward to a time of trouble. And it's just like this time that Peter met. Satan tried to sift him as wheat and he fell. He did was sifted at that time at least. I pray that the Lord will help us that even now as Satan is trying to sift each and every one of us who will take heed to the doctrine. Take heed to keep close to Jesus that we may not be sifted. Let us pray. Thank you dear Father. 
for speaking to us to take heed. In time past, we have taught ourselves confident enough to go on the enemy's grounds and many times we have fallen. Forgive us our sins, Lord. Help us, Lord, to learn to take heed to ourselves that we may not fall prey to the devil's temptations and be destroyed. Is there anyone who has fallen, Lord? Please help us to rise. Keep us, Lord, in the faith. Help us to learn to abide in you at all times. Like Peter, we have gone astray and we have lost our way. We have gone afar. What we were before, we see now that we are not. Lord, please give us grace by which we may stand. It is only by your grace that we can stand in Jesus. We know that we will fall away if it is not for your grace. Lord, please help us to stand, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.